synchronicity. That is the word that comes to mind when I think of the series of events that led me to reading this absolutely dreamy, amazing novel, which then led me to recording this podcast interview with the one and only infamous, glorious, incredibly well-versed, witty, amazing, sentient being also known as Rob Doyle came to be. And I honestly still can't believe that it happened. Rob Doyle is just a human being of so much death, so much creativity, bravery. He He's honestly an alchemist of reality and just has lived a wildly fascinating life as you will come to hear throughout this podcast transmission. Ladies and gentlemen, beings of the universe, ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourselves because this is easily my favorite and most interesting and by far the coolest podcast I have recorded yet. And I am so grateful of the fact that this genius, this wizard, took the time out of his life to sit down and have this chat with me. Before I jump into this, however, I just want to say that if you have not already purchased Threshold by Rob Doyle, get on it. The book is goddamn phenomenal. Honestly, fucking insane. You will not have, you will not regret it. I mean, why would you? But seriously, you won't. And you'll hear me get all into it. And you'll hear him get all into it. So without further ado, my name is Shannon Ocean or Shanoon. Whichever you like to say better, say it. That's my name. And I extend the warmest welcome to you as you enter this week's Wolf Portal. important question shrooms or dmt oh i would have to say shrooms i'll tell you why because i'm irish right and uh the shrooms grow naturally in my 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 green little island they grow in the fields and the hills outside of dublin and even in some of the bigger um, parks public parks so uh, on a purely patriotic uh basis i'll have to say (laughs) shrooms uh, also, because uh, I've taken magic mushrooms many times, m- many more times than I've smoked DMT, and uh, I've just had 
um, so many wonderful experiences on them. I've also had some pretty hair-raising experiences, but that's another story. How about you? Uh, well, I've never tried DMT yet. I'm oh, still okay. a little scared. When I first found yeah. out what it was, um, after I went into my Joe Rogan black hole, <laughs> I, um, I was so fascinated with it and I was looking for it everywhere and nobody, barely anybody knew who it was. I couldn't find it anywhere. And then I just kind of kept learning more about it. And I was like, well, fuck, this seems pretty intense. And now I kind of have it at my disposal, but I'm just a mm. little, I'm just a little on the fence about it. I definitely feel called to do it. I feel called mostly to do ayahuasca right now. Oh yeah, uh, is, is that on the? Is, do you have that at your disposal too? Is there somebody? Definitely who... not. <laughs> okay. Definitely not. I'm gonna have to go to Peru for that one. Save uh, up yeah. and uh, you know do it the correct way. But yeah. but yeah. um. I, I so recommend I recommend you do it at DMT. I'll, let me just throw that in there. I think you should give it a try once. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Just you know, I I I think if you get into a nice headspace before it, I don't know if you if you meditate or something like that. Just just mm-hmm. give it a try. Yeah. I mean, it only lasts ten minutes, and and then you're back back here in this reality. So uh, it, right, right. It can't do anything too. Terrifying. What threw me off was um, I watched that documentary. Um, the spirit molecule and Mm. they showed um, they showed like this interview of when they were testing it on people in labs and it was this lady and she's like the doctor was asking me a bunch of questions and he asked me if I liked roller coasters and I said no and he was like oh that's not good (laughs) I was (laughs) like fuck I hate roller coasters I cannot bring myself to like that feeling yeah, good. that's a good way to describe it. I I hate roller coasters too, you know. But that's, <laughs> I I've only taken taken that maybe three or four times. No, maybe a few more. But every time I take it, I my hands literally shake beforehand, you know. So, oh my goodness! Yeah, I'm, I'm wow. pretty pretty cowardly like that. So if I can <laughs> if I can do it, you can. Anyone can. <laughs> mm. Well, for the listeners, um, Rob Doyle is the author of several books, but one that sort of fell into my experience, um, and it's titled Threshold. And I'm really not just saying this to flatter you or anything, but I truly do think this is one of the, if not the best books I have ever read in my whole entire life. Did I tell you about how, uh, how I sort of stumbled upon it? No, you didn't. Well, thanks very much for saying that, first of all. But no, you had, um, when you contacted me online, you kind of alluded to uh, a strange story whereby you, the book came into your hands, but I, I never never heard what that was. Hmm. So I was, um, I went to the library just because I needed to print something out. And I had just been to the library and checked out a shitload of books, like more than I should check out at once. And I'm determined to get through them. So I was not going to get a book from the library at all. I just went to go print something out. And then I had a whole list of errands that I had to do after that. And um, I went to print my file out. And it was like print out on regular size paper, legal size. And I was like, "Mm, might as well like do the legal size because it was a flyer. And I went to go pay to have it printed out at the machine. And the machine was out of legal size paper. So I went up to the librarian's desk 
waited behind this guy who needed help. And then I told her and she's like, oh, I'll just print it out up here. And she's like, oh man, is it on legal size paper? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I'm going to have to change the ink in the printer. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And she's like, just give me a minute. And all these people are coming up to her and she keeps stopping to help them. So I'm standing there for like five minutes and I'm like, oh, it's all right. It's all right. Let me just, uh, might as well look at this shelf behind me and it's all new books. Mm-hmm. And I've been recently really into the self-help books. Uh, so it's usually nonfiction books that mm-hmm. I check out now, but I've been wanting to get lost in uh, a really good fiction book because it's been a while. So I'm like browsing through, looking at this book. No, this is for old people. <laughs> looking at this book, like, mm, it's like mystery thriller. I don't really know if that's what I'm going for. And then I see this book with this sort of like trippy, I don't know. I was just really drawn to the cover and I pick it up (laughs) and read the inside cover. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. The inside cover is talking about mushrooms, DMT, uh, uh, soul searching. I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. My jaws like dropped open in the middle (laughs) of the library. And I'm like, all right, I'm checking this book out. And I'm like stoked about it. I'm like, I can't believe I just found this. And, um, I'm like, I can't wait till I get done with all my shit so I can go read it. And while I was in the library, I noticed I didn't have my keys on me. Um, So I was like, that's weird. I must have left them in my car. And I go back to my car. It's locked. My keys are nowhere to be found. So I spend the next like two hours looking for my keys (laughs) in the parking lot. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I was just like, at one point, I almost cried because I was so frustrated but I was like, uh, I used to be like, I used to get really anxious and uh, just kind of let things stress me out. But I couldn't even bring myself to cry. I was like, I guess I'm just not meant to be driving, whatever. And everybody's trying to help me find my keys. This old guy's like, you gotta, you gotta call the Toyota dealership and uh, and have them print you out a new key. It's gonna be expensive, but it's all you can do. It's your best bet. And this other lady's like, call the cops. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's like, call the cops. They'll help you. And I like have my dab pen in the front seat and I don't have like any sort of medical marijuana card at all. So I'm like, no, I'm not calling the cops. I'm just whatever. So I call my friend um, to take me home and I just kind of felt like it was a test from the universe and just trust that my keys will come back into my experience. And I like, I guess I'm supposed to spend the evening getting lost in this book, which I did. Threshold is fucking incredible. It made me laugh out loud several times it made me like gasp because I was so shocked (laughs) at some of the things you wrote. It made me cry. And most of all, it inspired me um, in many different ways. So thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that's so beautiful to hear. And I'm so happy that I could uh, provide some sort of relief from the uh, incredibly stressful sounding experience of losing your car keys in the library <laughs> which has never happened to me thankfully Touch wood, it never <laughs> uh, yeah it turns out uh some some old person because uh you know the library is mostly full of yeah. older older people i yeah. somebody accidentally picked up my keys and put them in their bag and just went home with them so oh, uh, so there's a happy ending you got a, you got the keys back Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Good. Okay. For, for a minute, <laughs> I thought the ending of the story was going to be, you got home and you opened up my book and Threshold and the keys were inside it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. That would be true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so um, I kind of want to 
there's so many things <laughs> that I want to talk about and ask you, but I kind of want to, uh, the way I see it going in my head is maybe talking about um, the series of events that that led you to becoming who you are. And then uh, maybe we can focus on drugs for a little bit. And then I would like to get into a little bit of the deeper, uh, deeper context, um, like maybe some of your philosophies and spirituality mm. and uh, mm. and all that good stuff. Yeah, sure. So um, this book is a novel centered around all factual, all real events of your life experience, right? Pretty much. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. It, it's, it's so, we, you know, when I showed it to my publishers and um, uh, we were talking about how we were going to kind of market the book and how we were going to position it and so on. I kind of insisted that I wanted it to be called a novel, even though it's uh, very explicitly autobiographical in so many ways. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the narrator is, is a guy called Rob, just like me. And he's a, he's a writer, you know, like me in his thirties and he's from Ireland mm -hmm. and so on. So it, it's basically me. No, I'm, I'm not kind of, I'm not, I'm not kind of pretending that's not the case, but at the same time, I wanted to make it clear or at least make it to suggest that um, most of the stuff happened in it, but not necessarily everything in the, in the book really happened in it. So there's a kind of, you know, my, my, my previous two books were mm -hmm. uh, fiction, you know, they were definitely fiction of the more um conventional uh, variety you know they were they were made up characters and plots and so on and um the, the so yeah this one is you know it's 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 kind of a mixture between um a novel but also a kind of travelogue and mm, a, con yeah. a personal confession and a kind of a series of maybe essays or travelogue um narratives about different places I've lived or different obsessions I've had or fascinations I've had and Beautiful. yeah so um so yeah that, that that was it really and some of the stuff it you know because I'm used to writing fiction I kind of liked the idea of blending mm -hmm. some more imaginative uh factors in with the the, the true life stuff I love it I actually want to just read one of my favorite little excerpts from it. Um, oh, yeah. If that's Great. okay. Yeah, please. Okay. I relish overcast days in foreign cities in the afternoon when no one is around. The playgrounds are empty. The breeze rustles the trees. It's good to be hungover on such days. It opens you out, makes you receptive. I imagine that my human life is a mission from some other universe. The purpose of writing is to record my impressions of this earth world and send them back there, an audience of aliens. Yesterday, I saw an exhibition by a Norwegian photographer who lived in Tokyo. She wrote, skyscrapers and gaming arcades help me construct a holographic city in images and memory, a fictitious city that is based on an actual place. Whew! That is just yeah. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you read it. No, I, uh, if only you had read the uh, the audio book. You know, they they got somebody <laughs> to read a 
they got they got some of the read the audio book and I, I listened to a few lines and he had this very kind of strong Irish accent and uh, uh, people have told me that he reads it really well and I'm sure he does but I think hearing you there now you should have done it I should you should have got the job. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I would have yeah. stuttered through the whole entire thing. But um, <laughs> you have lived an absolutely fascinating life. I mean, honestly, I'm very jealous of all the traveling, or at least character Rob and Threshold, yeah. the yeah. life that he has lived. And so um, I know that you're from Ireland, but mm. I was wondering if you could tell me more about your upbringing and uh, how the events of your life sort of steered mm. you. Yeah, so um, I grew up, I mean, yeah, all of the traveling and all of those places that uh, lived in the book are certainly true. And, you know, I do, I live in Germany now in Berlin and, but I grew up in Dublin, um, the the, the capital, and um, I just had a fairly working class background, totally normal. You know, my parents are... um, Irish Catholic, uh, you know, ordinary decent people, not not what you would call um, a bookish family or an intellectual family, or a, you know, mm-hmm. they both left school very young because that was just the way you did it back then. If you were of that kind of generation and that uh, that kind of background, they worked all their lives, and you know, my dad just worked in like the post office for his whole life and stuff. Um, but I got it into my head at some point in my early 20s, I guess, that I wanted to try to become a writer, whatever that meant. Mm. And um, I kind of had, I guess I don't go into it directly, but in the book I touch upon certain, um, allude to certain kind of terrible breakdown-y type experiences I had when I was much younger. And they kind mm. of uh, sent me off on a maybe, let's say, a different trajectory to um, to a lot of uh, my peers or a lot of people around me. So I, you know, I, I became, I went to study philosophy and, um, you know, I just really got into that whole kind of um, search, search for, um, I guess the stuff that you connected to in the book, you know, this kind of search for meaning and for uh, right, ultimate right. questions about what the hell, how can I live in a sane way and all of that stuff. So mm, uh, it I kind of, it. yeah, so that kind of led to me, I think when I finished um, my studies, you know, when I left university, I kind of left Ireland too. And I didn't really come back for quite a few years. You know, I came back like, briefly but I spent a few years just kind of roaming around the world and kind of mm, working yeah just working in jobs at bars and stuff like that here and there and or you know teaching English as a as a foreign language to make some money so I kind of lived in South America for a while and in Asia and then I kind of briefly kind of settled down for a few years in in London uh, at this point I was determined to write a book really and uh yeah when i was in london i wrote my first novel um here at the young men and i can't wait to read it yeah that's there's also a movie coming out so if cinema yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, so hopefully uh if this if this world gets over this goddamn um pandemic virus yeah then then maybe the cinemas will open up again and we get to go see it but uh oh my god that is incredible wow that's a big deal yeah it is yeah and um 
yeah, they've got some cool actors and stuff in it. I, I don't know. Everybody's talking about this show on Netflix called The Queen's Gambit with Anya Taylor. Oh, yeah, everybody Joy. says that's amazing. Yeah, so I haven't seen it myself, but she's in it. She's the main kind of female uh, lead in, in the same actresses in the movie. Wow. Anya oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that is fucking incredible. Literally, yeah. something that just came from your mind. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a trip, you know, to, to hear that was going to happen. And then I got to see it, not on the big screen yet, because of the obvious reasons of, there, you know, nobody's in the cinema, but I got to see the film when it premiered at an online film festival just a couple of months ago. Wow. So it was, uh, that was a trip, you know, seeing, yeah, like you say, it's something that just came from my mind. Now it's this big production with all these like famous stars and stuff in it. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually in the movie too. I have a little cameo. There's um there's kind of like a techno, you know, oh. yeah. Oh my like gosh. A, I'm kind of like dancing in the background. It was just me and <laughs> me and my mates in Dublin. Uh we were just kind of lurking in the background and uh we we were actually on some nice mushrooms uh for the for the for the shoot. So that was cool. Oh my god. <laughs> literally the coolest human being i can't believe it also what really tripped me out about your book and like just about you is like how you can do these drugs and like just kind of wander and meander like out and about and go do stuff i take shrooms and sit in my room and i can't even leave my room i'm like fuck i don't want to see my roommates right now i don't want to see anybody i'll like hype myself up like i need to go outside because i like to be outside when uh uh, when on shrooms for obvious reasons but i'm just like uh get so psyched out yeah well it's tricky you've got to you've got to choose the right circumstances we took them uh, a few friends and i went up to the lakes in the summertime here in berlin you know there's these really beautiful lakes outside the city and mm. uh it's kind of like a, a, a berlin um tradition just to, when the weather is good people just go out there and it's beautiful it's almost like a kind of outdoor festival everyone is just chilling having picnics some people like bring music systems and they're dancing so we went up there on some lovely mushrooms again it was my friend andy from uh from ireland and or not from england and he had never taken them before but it was so it was his first time on magic oh. mushrooms and it was so beautiful it was the proper it was almost like the idyllic mushroom experience you know with the beautiful landscapes and the mm -hmm. sun and the trees and the forest it was just like a lake on the edge of the forest so yeah sometimes it is good to get out wow when you're doing them yeah definitely i, I, yeah. I was thinking about it and yeah. i feel like other countries are just so much cooler in general <laughs> <laughs> um but there's just like like it's weird i, I don't want to say like i i feel like in some ways, I'm definitely probably limiting myself um, by saying this, but I feel like in other countries, there's just this beautiful landscape and like it's just uh, much less urbanized and and uh, and just cooler things to do and and nicer uh, landscapes to be in. Maybe, but I, you're from Florida. No? Did you grow up in Florida? <laughs> To me, yeah, I did. All oh, right. I thought that was. I've been to Florida once when I was a kid. My my parents. Um, it was quite a big deal. They saved up a lot of money and they took me and my my brothers uh, out to Florida. You know, to do all the obvious like Disneyland and all of that stuff. And it was this. It was like this big like key event of childhood. But we spent uh, <laughs> we we spent about maybe two two weeks just hanging out in Florida and the beaches and stuff and. So in my memory, it's just this paradise place, you know. 
but that's obviously childhood memories and a long time ago but uh right 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 now florida is very beautiful i love it here but yeah. it's just you know i'm ready to kind of spread my wings and get the fuck out of here sure. <laughs> it's been yeah. it's been it's been real and i do love the beaches i most likely see myself returning unless i um happen yeah. to stumble upon a place that i just absolutely you know fall in love with but yeah. um yeah but yeah, maybe it just has a lot to do with me being so used to here. Yeah, that's how I was with Ireland. You know, some people, you talk to them and they say, oh, you're from Ireland. It's the most beautiful country in Europe. And I, I always want to go there. And, you know, of course, that's kind of true in, in some way. Uh, but it's mm -hmm. just when you're from there, it looks like a goddamn, you know, village that you're just sick <laughs> of. You know, you, you just, like the sight of it just bores me to tears, you know. So, so I, I, I get that, you know. In fact, that's what the whole the whole book is about that kind of uh, restless impulse, that wanderlust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, how amazing! How amazing is it? Uh, I wrote this question to ask at the end, but I feel like it just kind of ties in perfectly. And what I wrote was what that I've gathered mainly from threshold and partially from stalking your social media is that. <laughs> you truly are this deep, brave, extremely intellectual and introspective, authentic human being who's sort of taken life by the balls and said, hey, I don't give a fuck what they're saying you are or telling me to believe you are. I'm going to decide for myself exactly what to make of this. And so you did that. You just, I feel like you've kind of traveled so much and, um, and gotten to extract so much meaning from all these different life experiences that you've lived. Yeah, well, thank you. Again, it's a, it's a lovely thing to say, and uh, I'm, I'm flattered. But the the other side of it, of course, is that I probably wouldn't have um, been so motivated and energized to, uh, as you say, kind of grab life by the balls and go out and just <laughs> go for it like that if I wasn't... Um, if I hadn't been kind of somehow messed up and twisted up inside beforehand, you know, to, you know, you know, you know what I mean? Like where you get into a oh, really, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, we all have our traumas and our, our um, torments and our um, pain and so on. And I think mm -hmm. I, I kind of had a lot of that when I was, you know, younger. And uh, I think that was in large part behind that kind of, um, almost aggressive attitude of wanting to figure things out for myself so yeah. uh you know so so I can't really separate I'm glad you know I'm, I'm very proud obviously of uh, you know some of the things I've you know been able to do and you know write books and all that it's kind of the the, the life I've always dreamed of frankly but I can't separate it from all of that kind of turmoil and torment and so on that that maybe um right motivated or energized that in the first place mm, that's a beautiful concept like a like what is it they always say we couldn't have flowers or trees or really anything without the rain the storms are necessary you yeah. know yeah exactly exactly it reminds me of um kind of of what that old man that you were talking about um in threshold said to you what was it something like like our psyche seeks out trauma um oh yeah, yeah when we yeah. get too complacent not to say that you were too complacent yeah um you know but 
Oh, yeah. I'm glad you remembered that part. I'd, I'd almost forgotten that part myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- this idea that, that if, we, if, we, if we kind of lose respect for, for life, for the, 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 the magnitude and the, the grandiosity, the grandeur of life, that our, our, our deeper self will, will possibly even uh, seek out extreme um, yeah. devastation or desolation or uh, objection or, or something and and it will snap it will slap you back into a kind of reverence for 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 yes you. yeah I, yes yeah. reverence and clarity yeah yeah exactly exactly mm. which is okay. not 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 too dissimilar actually from uh certain heavy psychedelic experiences come to think of it you know i i remember that the, when i took ayahuasca that you know i used to take it in south america and that was kind of the experience you know you felt like you were kind of being smacked down by some kind of powerful force that just commanded respect and authority and you, you wow. kind of yeah you got kind of your your kind of ego took a took a punch you know but then you kind of by the end of it you felt great and you felt uh centered and you felt less full of shit you know so <laughs> so so that's kind of the, the same thing you know mm-hmm. that actually leads perfectly into my next question um I was wondering if you could talk about some of your craziest or most profound experiences with psychedelics. Um, yeah. Um, let me see where to start. Uh, <laughs> God, uh, I, well, like, so here's the thing. I, I, I didn't take LSD until I was like 25. And I'd say I've hmm. probably only taken that maybe eight or nine or 10 times in my life, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. slightly more. I'm not sure. But like I said, magic mushrooms, they grow in Ireland. And for a while in Ireland, they were even legal. To yeah. I remember buy. that. Yeah. I yeah. also loved how you're like, yeah, then in the summer of, was it 2004? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they became, they became illegal and I just left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was a brief window of opportunity. It was here's what happened. This is interesting. Maybe I, I, yeah, I think I talked about it in Threshold. But some uh, Trinity College student realized that there was a legal loophole and began to make it known um, that there was this whole loophole in the law that meant it wasn't actually illegal, as people had always assumed it was to sell, to possess, to buy mushrooms. So suddenly you had all these kind of head shops all over Dublin, all over Ireland, selling them, um, not just the Irish ones, but selling like Mexican mushrooms, Thai mushrooms, uh, whatever, you know, Siberian wow. mushrooms. And so people were just going and buying them and having these awesome times. It was like the summer, it was like our summer of love, you know? And mm-hmm. then, and then, uh, yeah, they closed the loophole. Some, somebody tragically died um, and they 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 put it down to mushrooms um i think they had a kind of schizophrenic reaction as as can Shame. happen you know yeah right, yeah right. so that happened but so around that time i started taking mushrooms i guess i had taken them a few times and there was some mescaline floating around ireland at the time i recall um but i took my first lsd when i was like 25 it was at a kind of rave in in thailand um 
Wow. I'm, yeah, I'm start, I feel like I'm sound like an asshole talking about all these like, colorful, exotic no, places. But, no, uh, please. Yeah, but that's, Spill it on the listeners because we are all living <laughs> vicariously through you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm living vicariously through my, my past self at the moment because I'm stuck here <laughs> in, a, in a flat, in freezing, cold, dark lockdown in Berlin. <laughs> so uh, I need some warm memories to, to, to get me out of this rut. But yeah, so it was in uh, Thailand and I had a really... I just had a classically wonderful LSD experiences. Um, mm. Let me think. I've had, there's one I described. So on the kind of darker side of things, there's uh, a mushroom experience that I described in the first chapter of the book, mm-hmm. which happened when I moved to, I was, I was in a relationship with a, with a girl in, uh, she, she was a Vietnamese American uh, lady who I was, you know, very much in love with and so on and this had been going on for a while so I kind of moved over there and the, we, we'd been together for a few years and it was kind of coming apart really and in a desperate mm-hmm. bid to fix things up I kind of moved over to San Francisco where she had just moved and we tried to kind of make a life there and it was just it was it was not a good time in my life but at around that time I got my whole my hands on some uh very powerful magic mushrooms and took them uh she she didn't take anything like that so I was kind of taking them solo and Mm -hmm. I went I remember I don't know if you've been to uh, San Francisco but there's this hate hate Ashbury you know it's this old place where all the old hippie kind of stuff used to oh I've heard of it yeah so now it's a bit kind of tragic now it's just this kind of forlorn kind of seedy place and so I I just when I was kind of walking down there, I realized that these mushrooms were coming up on me in a far more um, severe way than I had intended. Basically, I I was on a hell of a bigger dose than I had realized. Somehow I just missed, I had mistakenly taken about (laughs) three times the amount I thought I was going to take. Oh, no. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, fuck, now what am I going to do? The next eight hours are going to be interesting. So uh, I, I, I knew that there was this park in uh, not so far away called Buena Vista Park, which is essentially mm-hmm. like a, a big hill in the middle of the city where you can kind of rise above it all. And so I went over there and uh, kind of went up to the top of the hill, kind of fleeing, fleeing everything, thinking, my God, this is, I don't know, with all the stuff that was going on in my life. And, you know, you know, it's good to be obviously in a good psychic place yes, if you want to take yes. mushrooms. I was not. I was in a bad psychic place and, you know, everything mm-hmm. was kind of going wrong. And so I went up there and, yeah, for about for a first couple of hours, it, it felt kind of touch and go as to whether I was just going to completely lose my lose my mind or, or not. You know, I right. uh, it was very it was ominous. I remember it. San Francisco sometimes gets really foggy and dark and all of a sudden the whole sky, I could see the whole bay and the whole skyscrapers and everything all around me. Oh the Pacific, and then suddenly the clouds just roll in. It was very cinematically horrifying, you know. Like, <laughs> oh my God, this is going to be the ordeal of a lifetime. Uh, and, it, and it was. Uh, but, 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 you know, again, much like I was saying about the ayahuasca uh, ceremonies, mm-hmm. there was this also the sense that it, it was... I think traumatic is maybe too strong a word to use, but it was definitely an ordeal. But yeah. by the, you know, and I had to, it was kind of like it brought up all of the, all of the kind of horror 
and the, the kind of pain and the anxiety mm-hmm. that I has kind of pressing under the surface for the last couple of months while I was trying, right, to, right, trying, right. To, trying to rebuild this relationship and so on. It was just kind of all there in front of me. And uh, it was pretty brutal, really, to be honest. But then, mm-hmm. you know, even that after a few hours, I kind of got it together. I stayed up there on this hill like like crazy guy, you know, and uh, it, it eventually began to calm and smooth down. It was. It was. It didn't feel so, so, so awful by the end of it. You know, I kind of, I, I hung on to my sanity anyway, and some days. <laughs> so. It gets so scary sometimes. It really feels like it'll never come back. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna be like this forever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I've been there a few times. Yeah. I, I try not to um, scare myself as much anymore with uh, with psychedelics. I, when was the last time I even took? Uh, I guess it was the summer was the last time I took any LSD or, um, mm-hmm. or magic mushrooms. But here, here's the thing: I don't know if uh, ketamine is a is a is a thing over there, but there's a there's a lot of ketamine in in. I Berlin. can't wait to try it. Yeah, it's a be careful with that one. It's fascinating. It's fascinating, and for a while, I really it's just very different. It's more like mm-hmm. it's more like science fiction than than. Um, it's futurist, you know, it's, it's, odd. yeah, it's kind of, it has a kind of icy cold vibe to it. So there's a lot of that in Berlin at all times. It's just, it's every kind of club you go to, there's ketamine there. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was having some, some pretty weird experiences with that. They were great experiences <laughs> for a while, but then they got a bit tinged with menace and they got a bit sinister. So um, I'm kind of mm. keeping my distance from that stuff for a while. Right. Right. Yeah. I like how, um, in threshold you say uh you say that you told one of your friends that you take drugs so that one day you won't have to take drugs oh yeah yeah and it turns out it was it was pure bollocks because here i am now years later still (laughs) still taking drugs i still it would be nice to think that was true i still i I believe in the uh the philosophy behind that you know that um Mm -hmm that I think there is something to it. You know, I don't like, I know friends back in Ireland who are uh, Buddhists. Yeah. So they're, they're, you mm-hmm. know, they're, they're, they're kind of practicing Buddhists and they, it, there's a kind of community and an order. And they've told me that plenty of people in that world, in that order come mm-hmm. to it because of um, experiences that they had with Yes. psychedelics or uh, even MDMA and they don't necessarily even need to repeat those experiences but those experiences showed them some sort of possibility some sort mm-hmm. of aspect of consciousness or reality or uh, the heart or the soul or the spirit whatever you want to call it that they yeah. then turned to more um, ancient wisdom or you know uh, yeah. wis- wisdom traditions to explore so th- that's kind of what I meant um, in that line. I think mm-hmm. I think that the basic um, principle behind that about taking drugs so that one day I wouldn't want or wouldn't have to take drugs still mm-hmm. stands even if I, I lapse from time to time. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's kind of like, um, like the one metaphor or analogy uh, that Alan Watts uses where he says uh, uh, psychedelics is kind of like like the boat, you know, you use it to cross the river. And once yeah. you get to the other side, you don't need to sit in the boat. You can get out of the boat or like a microscope, yeah. like the scientists may use the microscope to see, uh-huh. uh, to see the like little minuscule things that they couldn't tell were there without the microscope. But then afterwards they, 
they're like noted, you know, they yeah. don't hold up the microscope to their eye forever and continue exactly. to look through it. Exactly. With that being said though, yeah. uh, the drugs are, they just have such a bad rep and they're just so important precisely um, because of what you just said, you know, yeah. they kind of shake up people. They're able to serve as a perspective palate cleanser and just um, show people that there's something much deeper than, you know, the mundane or, or yeah, whatever yeah, absolutely. sort of, um, you know. Yeah, well said, I think, by by you and by uh, Alan Watts. I think that's exactly right. You know, um, it, it is a shame they have such a bad rep for all the reasons that we're all familiar with. But um, mm-hmm. I, they've certainly, I, I, I would say I'm definitely one of the people who has had both good and bad experiences from them. And again, well, let's narrow it down to just the psychedelics a bit more. But I would say with the psychedelics, I've had definitely more um, benefit and positive positive um, influence from them than anything horrifying or harmful or right. so it's it's an obvious thing to say, but it really does come down to uh, not abusing it, you know. Trying to now, I have mm-hmm. in the past abused it, you know, taking uh, taking these things in a less than um, let's say respectable way, but I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Watts' point, Terence McKenna, the, the great kind of philosopher of DNT and ayahuasca and, mm-hmm. and magic mushrooms, he says something similar. He says, you know, for him, he said he smoked DNT maybe once and then for the next two years, he will just do all the reading. He, the line I remember from him is uh, great trips inspire great homework or great research or yes. something like that. So oh, it's I not like, that. yeah. So you know, if you had DNT, you you don't need to smoke it every weekend. You you know, you can kind of smoke it once or twice or whatever, and then kind of spend quite a long time figuring out what right, trying to figure out what that. the fuck just happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. What the fuck was that? You know, shit. So. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. Um, but yeah, I just I don't know if I'll ever. I, I remember reading that line and being like, fuck, am I ever going to stop experimenting with drugs? It's it's sort of like I'd, I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, you know, having your reality shaken up just a little bit sometimes and exploring these different realms um, as long as you're not abusing it and as long as you're integrating, of course, because integration's uh, just as important as, as taking the drugs, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if I may ask, do you do you kind of experiment and take stuff that isn't necessarily psychedelic, like the other stuff, the, the more stimulant based stuff? Um, well, I've gone to before this COVID bullshit. I was like pretty big into music festivals, and yeah. um, so I've done you know ecstasy and MDMA yeah. quite a bit of times, and. Yeah their effect is always just so profound, especially in that yeah. situation, you know, yeah. just yeah. so heart opening. Oh, man. <laughs> I've had some of the most beautiful, beautiful nights uh, ever of my life or, or days even on MDMA or ecstasy. I really, yeah. uh, again, it's one that I really, I struggle to. Yeah. That's one of those substances that I actually recommend to people, you know, obviously when you talk about mm-hmm. this stuff and, you know, 
you don't want that you don't want to be irresponsible and say to people oh you know just go take all this stuff it has no bad go do it i did it i have my own movie coming out now (laughs) (laughs) yeah but like you know obviously you can't (laughs) yeah but like obviously if you if you abuse that stuff you really cane it you can obviously you know Mm-hmm. mess around with like the serotonin or the dopamine levels in your brain or, or whatever and you can get into some dark places but if you do it the way you're describing there and the way for the most part i've done it man it's been so it's the same you know i've been to music festivals and kind of like techno events and so on where i've taken yeah. in MDMA or, and just had the most like sublime kind of peak experience you know the, the, the kind mm-hmm. of nights you know are gonna are going to last forever in your in your memory and in your friend's memory and yes. in, in the kind of collective psyche yeah so so beautiful beautifully said um yeah yeah, yeah mdma can just be so healing and thinking about these sort of more i don't want to call them recreational but in some sense drugs mm-hmm. uh makes me think about this study that i heard about where uh they took two separate groups of mice and they gave um they put one of the groups in this environment that wasn't stimulating at all didn't have any toys they just like basically it was just like white walls around them and then the other group they had like little toys maybe like a rat wheel little ball and they gave both groups cocaine and the mice that had (laughs) non-stimulating environments just did the cocaine until they died because there's nothing else to do and the other group that had a stimulating environment just did a little and then they'd go and play and then they'd like maybe do a little bit more, but they ended up being completely fine. And I think that says so much, you know, uh-huh. about, um, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. Right. Yeah. So the human correlative would, would correlate to that would be, uh, would be like in a really poor, um, poor communities and so on people get addicted and they don't really because they don't really have any other Mm -hmm. outlets so they end up becoming addicted to crack or cocaine or heroin or something because there is no stimulus there is no fulfillment or um or 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 anything beyond that so yeah that's that's a kind of poignant uh poignant mouse story there Right, right, right. I just really think about it when I think of recreational drugs and like all the sort of other ones. But I feel like psychedelics is almost different because where I do know, I do know a good amount of people who do a lot of acid and shrooms and don't really take the time to integrate. But I also know, I feel like a larger amount of people who will do psychedelics and then be like, oh, shit you know, and, and not really so much get addicted to them and kind of just, um, kind of just use that experience to, uh, to help them in other yeah, aspects of their so life. So do I, so do I. And I, I saw your, um, I saw your, you know, your Instagram feed and I've, I've no idea. It seemed to, there was some sort of, uh, ceremonial kind of gatherings going on. I, I've no idea if, uh, psychedelics were in any way involved in that stuff, but my, in my experience here in or in Germany and in Ireland is that people who are um, tapped into that side of it tend to use them in a in a kind of in the way that you're talking about you know in the in the um, mm-hmm. in the way that opens doors for them and that helps them to kind of um, reconcile themselves with their own their own lives and yeah. all that stuff. The other here's the other thing actually just. Uh, may, maybe I might repeat on myself, but when you said earlier uh, shrooms or 
DMT. The other thing about magic mushrooms for me, and I I say this with 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 experience, but they really do bring out the kind of better self of me. You know, I know that when I'm on magic mushrooms, it's almost like Mm-hmm. There's a value system and a philosophy, and uh, not 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 an intellectual philosophy, just like an like yes. an embodied philosophy and an embodied value system in the magic mushrooms. That's really just a kind of clearer version of what's there already. And when I'm on magic mushrooms, I think I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. in in some ways, I'm kind of my best self. You know, I become genuinely uh, kind of yeah. like a gentle a gentler version of me. You know. Uh, yeah yeah you know without without like like gentler not in some kind of like sappy mawkish way but just like more 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 considerate you know more more aware of people more um yeah just kind of kinder you know oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um i love mushrooms for that reason because whereas like you know they'll settle in reality just gets completely I don't even want to say disoriented but just uh just you know all the hallucinations start to happen I'm like is reality is this how it looks and this how it looks all the time and I just can't see that because my brain's chemistry or is or is it the I don't know what's going on but it's beautiful and then you know I just get tapped into that sort of primordial ancient feeling that I feel like is the collective um I don't know if you'd want to call it the shroom collective, but then again, like, you know, everything goes into the ground once it decays. And um, so I kind of just feel always like I'm tapping into that whenever I do mushrooms, but then towards like the middle and end of my journey, I'll always just be overwhelmed with this sense of love. Sometimes I just like repeat the word love. (laughs) and It's just like, it's just so much love. And I'm always like, how can I show up better for the people in my life? Like my little brother, my little sister, oh, I need to see so them more. Sweet. I need to that's see so my parents more. Like that's like, always. If only, if only that was the kind of message going out to the world, you know, the war on drugs and all that stuff. It's like, where, where, where's that? When, when, yeah. when do you hear about that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely insane. It's like, um, it's like whenever you were talking about um, the story of the, the very unfortunate story of uh the guy yeah. who jumped off the he jumped off the roof and um and it's almost like these higher mm-hmm. powers or higher entities i shouldn't call them powers we're just like kind of mm-hmm. um just waiting just waiting for something to happen yeah. so they could be like oh that's it you see they're bad terrible band and now uh let's just only the only drugs we're going to focus on pumping out into society is yeah. uh antidepressive medications mm-hmm. and uh and let's give him some Adderall and let's give him some uh let's let's give him some yeah. some chemicals yeah. that are probably going to fuck them up you know but the alcohol you know in Ireland I mean not not, not that I'm, I have anything against alcohol but it's the same thing it was like let's make these mushrooms illegal but you know mm-hmm. let's uh all of the politicians and the publicans you know the people who own bars and stuff they're all in cahoots so they don't want <laughs> oh. Yeah, they don't want anyone. Uh, it's like big pharma, you know, pumping out all that Adderall and Valium and stuff like that. It's. Uh, I think the alcohol industry is a big thing. Oh as my well. god, it's I mean, terrible, a, and I love it, a, <laughs> but it's terrible. Yeah. So, so, so do I. So do I. But it's. Um, I don't know. I've. I've. 
I've gotten into darker situations and darker mental states because of alcohol in my life than I have from mm. magic mushrooms. And yet, and, and I'm sure most Irish people, you know, we're in just a nation of, of alcoholics, basically. And I think um, most uh, Irish people would, would say the same thing. And yet, of course, that stuff is totally legal in Ireland, but it's um, magic mushrooms. Right, right, right. Sadly. Yeah. It's just... It's insane. And it's tricky for me finding that balance um, because I'm like very big into, you know, uh, the whole meditation, spirituality side of things and, um, and doing all that energetic work. But at the same time, I love wine. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't necessarily <laughs> like going out and getting fucked up as much as I used to, but you know, it has its place and yeah. it's just for me it's just really interesting finding that balance because I've read so many different things about how alcohol lowers your vibration and I can feel it, you know. But at the same time mm. just because partially because it's so easily accessible, but also just because, you know, it's just kind of been been grandfathered in and i'm just like who who doesn't love a good glass mm. of red wine two three four yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah yeah no i i struggle with the same uh the same question that the finding the balance you know I, I i would say that's for for the likes of me and maybe for the likes of you maybe that's a lifetime's oh, yeah. work you know finding out where is that where is that balance like i've given all this stuff up for quite long periods at a time in mm-hmm. the past um including alcohol, even coffee, you know, those kind of minor ambient mm-hmm. stimulants. Um, and and that can be very useful to do, and particularly at certain periods in your life when you just really yes. need focus and yes. clarity. I, I, I do it, but then I always feel um, the, the, the allure of um, heightened states of intoxication, of the kind of ecstatic side of life mm-hmm. comes back. Uh, so, yeah, the balance... Balance is is tricky. That's a tricky one to pull off, but uh, we'll we'll get there. We'll <laughs> yes, get there. it's all about balance. <laughs> I love it. So, um, I was fascinated reading about your time spent in Asia. Was it Thailand? Uh, Thailand, and yeah, kind of. I traveled a fair bit around Asia, and uh, but spent, I guess, the most time in mm-hmm. Thailand. Could you tell yeah. us what that was like? Uh, you did some serious soul searching there, right? You got really into meditation and. Yeah, well, that was so that was a period that was one of those periods in my life, actually, where at least initially where I was um, completely uh, sober, as they seem to say in the States. In other words, I wasn't mm-hmm. drinking or doing any drugs or even smoking or anything like that, because uh uh, I, when I was coming through a, a, a really rough time in my early 20s, I um, learned to meditate with, um, in Ireland, I, I just took a class in meditation with these Buddhist people and uh, found it totally mm-hmm. transformative, instantly really, like powerful. It was like a powerful uh, light just went on and I knew this is this is the real stuff, yeah. you know, I, so that that was a big deal for me, and I decided I was gonna um, take it seriously for 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 a while. And so I went off to uh, I, I had already planned to go traveling, you know, with my one of my best and oldest friends, and we 
went off to Asia, Southeast Asia. And while we were there, um, I because I was really getting into all this meditation stuff and so on, I realized that you can, um, for, for free, basically, you can sign up to do um, 10 day or 30 day meditation um, retreats at these Buddhist monasteries. You know, you pay a, a, a like a, a tiny sum, you know, and you get a couple of meals every day and you get a place to, uh, you know, a, a cabin to sleep in or whatever. Uh, yeah. And so I did that and I did it a few times. I did it then afterwards in India um, a couple of times. Yeah, it, it was, it was, it was useful, but I was very, again, this is a point, my early twenties, I was very militant. I, I, I kind of didn't have a very light touch about mm-hmm. anything. So if I was going to do something, <laughs> I kind of force. did it to this like, yeah, ridiculously <laughs> extreme, almost kind of militant degree. So if I was going to meditate, I, you know, I was going to go to a, a brutally kind of severe, almost like boot camp uh, meditation uh, retreat in like a, in a forest in the north of Thailand. <laughs> And like not speak for a month and you know you have your last meal at 11 o'clock in the morning and then you're not allowed to eat oh till my the next goodness day. And, uh yeah so one of them in particular i think that kind of um militant extremist mentality really backfired on me and i instead of kind of becoming saner through meditation i very came very close to the brink of mm. madness i would say so so uh yeah, I'm not quite sure what the moral of that story is. Maybe just don't be so intense all the no, time. No, I perhaps, love it because you know? uh, as humans, <laughs> we can pretty much fuck up anything, you know? Like if you take too many drugs, yeah. it's not going to be a good story. And yeah. same, like, you know, people wouldn't think the same with meditation, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can. You can do it too seriously. And and again, it's that thing of, uh, of integration, yeah. isn't it? Like, as you call it, and, and balance, it's like, if you're going to do all this meditation, well, that's all well and good, but can you somehow um, stay like a, a sane member of the human world with all of the human responsibilities and all the people around you and so on? And maybe the extreme, uh, the extreme method is probably not the wisest. Uh, but but the, I did a few um, meditation retreats after that. And I remember there was one um, led by two two women, you know, two mm-hmm. Western women uh, who just did these things around um and they they were just so much um less they didn't have that kind of macho extremism that i was bringing (laughs) to the table you know they were far more far more about uh a kind of like balanced approach and you know instead of just meditating for 11 hours a day if you need to sleep you know if you if you just get exhausted then go and sleep because that you know you you probably need to whereas the first time i was like no i'm just gonna just gonna sit here and focus <laughs> on this and I'm, you know gonna take all the physical pain that your body generates if you're just staying in the same posture for like 10 hours every day uh that that didn't really work out so the more measured approach mm, did it for me I love that I love that yeah what I've mm. just mm. began to do with a good friend of mine is lead these sort of uh well, we call them soul alignment sessions, um, but it's really just like mm. a little bit of flow, not not necessarily yoga, but like more more of like breath work and like simple movements and um, and then guided meditations. Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I actually got the idea during 
a mushroom trip to do it just because of how disconnected I feel like people are from themselves and from other people now that everybody's wearing a mask when you see them out in public and, um, Mm. and we're not really allowed to do too many gatherings and, and things of that Mm. nature. And um, I just, I feel like it's such an important aspect to like, um, the fact that peep, there's so many people who don't meditate. I mean, I understand that everybody's on a different path, you know, and, and all that stuff, but just the sanity, um, and serenity that it has brought into my life experience alone is just insane. I used to have like crippling anxiety and just be a completely different Mm. person than I am now, which isn't, I mean, I'm still an anxious person, but it's, it's the, the different concepts that I've grasped through different spiritual teachers and through meditations, the, the, um, the being able to separate yourself from your mind. That's really been my saving grace. And, um, and I love that so much. And you sort of, you touch on it in your book, not directly, but I feel like through so many different instances, which is why one of the reasons why your book is just so amazing, because you're, you're sort of um, gracefully and, and uh, fuck, I can't, I can't think of the word, um, just in a really nonchalant way, pointing to that thing, that pointing to awareness almost, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like um, for you, the way you describe it for you there, it's also for me, it's always a work in progress, Mm -hmm. you know. So the way you describe that you used to be very anxious and, you know, all of that stuff. And then you you learn to meditate and to align Mm -hmm. yourself and all of that. You you make real progress, but you can still kind of maybe have moments or you can still recognize that that there's still 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 periods where you probably feel shaky or whatever it's the Mm -hmm. same you know i've I've always had my 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 demons to to be a bit kind of cliche Mm -hmm. a bit a bit cringy about it but i've always had my my devils and my demons and they, they 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 don't go away even when you do all of the the work the experience the searching the introspection Mm -hmm the reading, the um, listening, yeah. all of that. But they can, you get a different relationship yes. to them. You know, you get a different, uh, you get a different configuration towards them and you can almost uh, befriend them is too, is too, is too, too strong maybe, but you can, you can adjust to them and have a different relationship with them whereby the things that were uh, debilitating at, a, at right. a prior stage in your life can become somehow useful. And for me, a lot of that has been true, well, writing, you know, true creativity. Yes. Um, all of that kind of hyperactive, uh, overly aware, uh, overly, maybe overly, overly, overly sensitive or something like that in, in some senses. Uh, all of those things that maybe got me into a lot of internal mm-hmm. trouble when I was younger, they still do in some ways, but they, when you apply them to something like writing, uh, that, that's been my way of kind of keeping, keeping where I'm beautifully, not beautifully being said, dominated um, and destroyed by these 
inner demons that everybody has in their own way, but I'm somehow leading the charge. Yes. Beautifully said. You, um, what you just said reminded me a lot of, uh, something that Ram Dass teaches and it's kind of like, like if you were to sort of picture all of your emotions and your feelings and all these things going on inside of you as like, like you're going to invite them all to sit at a table, a big dinner table. And of course, you're going to want to invite happiness and excitement, arousal. You're going to want to invite all those feelings. But like like the darker feelings mm-hmm. are things you wouldn't normally want to invite. But then through these practices and uh, and sort of through mindfulness, you're able to, instead of having such a, a negative um way of looking at them, just invite them to the table too and be like, all right, I've set a place for you. I've set a place for you too. Yeah. Um, and what you've done with all these sort of, uh, uh, I don't know exactly how you just put it, um, more, some may say negative things um, about your psyche is I feel like you've alchemized mm-hmm. them somehow into light, like a you you struggled with depression for about um if i'm i don't know if i'm right about that um mm-hmm. but you you were able to yeah, yeah. Sure. alchemize your depression and alchemize all these really hard things into this glorious work of art um uh that's that's able to sort of really help other people in many, many different ways, uh, which is beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah, well, that, that's a that's a lovely thought, you know, that I can, um, uh, and I guess it's the great, for, for anyone who's into writing or books or mu- making music or something that you can turn, you can, al- to use the word you used, you can alchemize your own um darkness your Mm -hmm. own pain your own sadness your own sorrow all of that stuff into something that then not just takes it away from you a little bit but that can somehow touch other people and make them feel that bit less uh maybe a bit less confused or a bit less alone or something in 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 the Mm, world beautiful beautifully said Mm. um how do you if you do um feel like psychedelics and um, all these other things have affected, I want to ask how they have affected your writing, but also just want to ask how they've, if in any way, well, I know they have, I think they have, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. affected not just your depression, but just everything about you as a whole. Um, what what role did they play in both of those things? Um, yeah, g- good question. I uh, first the first thing I would say though about depression and being of a kind of depressive um, nature, mm-hmm. let's say, is that uh, like I was saying in the last kind of question it, it it doesn't ever necessarily yeah. go away okay so i kind of know i know enough about myself and i'm at an age now where i'm pretty sure i can say with some confidence that that's not something that's ever going to fully mm-hmm. leave uh and yet 
you know, maybe that's okay. You know, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe I can, you know, like I said, I can keep alchemizing it or keep, keep turning it into something else and and keep finding ways to stay balanced through it. And, you know, I, I have that. I really, you know, I relish life. I I love, there's so much I love about um, the, the, the life I'm even living now, even in these crazy, Mm -hmm. you know, lockdown times. But um, as to the question of the role psychedelics have had, I would say, here's the thing, I would say on yeah, the, the role they've had on my writing directly is probably not all that mm-hmm. strong. And what I mean by that is I don't think like the style of my writing has necessarily been affected by it because I just think that's something that I've acquired through through just obsessively reading books since I was, you know, a teenager or whatever, and, and, and just kind of like, it's almost like a musical instrument, you know, just, just getting that, like playing the scales every mm-hmm. night, you know? Uh, but, but I guess it's more to do with my outlook, you know, like that passage you so, so beautifully read earlier on about um, feeling like you're writing to an audience of aliens. Um, yeah. It's a bit like that. Like psychedelics have definitely, um, you know, got me like loving the alien, you know, that, that whole kind of, <laughs> yeah. um, is Terence McKenna has this idea that like loving the alien means like all of that really weird stuff inside us that, you know, modern capitalist Western uh, technological society kind of doesn't really allow for uh, psychedelics might be a way to become less alienated mm-hmm. from that. Uh, again, again, like the Alan Watts thing more, you take a look in the microscope. Okay. You wouldn't want to live with a microscope up to your eye, but those, glances into the microscope might give you um a reconfigured perspective on reality and on your own ignorance frankly i think that was a big thing for me and that was the big so that this uh, threshold ends the final chapter is all about uh, which i love how you did period. that i was getting close to the end of the book yeah. and i was like <laughs> i kind of thought i said something about dmt like <laughs> wow wow okay i just had to but continue (laughs) yeah it goes it goes quite crazy it goes epic and almost science fictional at that point because you know me me and all my friends started having these experiences on that stuff and for me it was um the effect of it was to kind of jolt me out of certain let's say philosophical um Mm-hmm. constructs and mm-hmm. understandings that I had that I had been um living under for a while assumptions about what you know and a kind of even a hubris or an arrogance thinking I know what the world is and I know whatever you know there's no mystery anymore because you know I, modern science has it all mm-hmm. figured out or so on but of course that's a, that's a parochial <laughs> attitude kind of like primitive attitude thinking you know every every tribe everywhere in the world thinks they've got it right, all figured right. out you know and we, we i think like modern western civilization is pretty similar to that in some ways you know so that was kind of blasting me out of uh out of the matrix really you know showing you that wait no shit like my, that kind of uh complacent worldview yeah shattered uh it, it's it's there's a, yeah there's a lot of ignorance there and uh for me it was exhilarating to be confronted uh once again or to be let's say reawakened to my own ignorance and the extent of my own ignorance. oh i love it i it love was, it um, 
yeah, the wake-up call, you know. And again, I think what you said uh, earlier that when you take magic mushrooms and it gets so crazy and psychedelic, but then towards the end of it, you find yourself thinking of, you know, your little brother mm-hmm. or the, the you, you know, your parents or these people in your life. And I think that's uh, that's beautiful. That's lovely because, uh, you know, I think all of that like crazy. DMT blast me out of this dimension into some other dimension is all well and good. And it's, again, for me, it was a real necessary wake up call from certain um, suburban parochial uh, philosophical assumptions I was kind of falling into, but I don't think it's kind of enough on its own to, to kind of live a a, a good life. You know, you've got to, you've got to connect it all to, um, to how you are, to other people. And for me, that's I, I I make absolutely no claims that I'm doing particularly well there, but I am trying in yeah, that sense. Yeah, that's just all that you know, matters. To just yeah, exactly. You know, as long as you're, and I think that yeah, I think that is all that matters. As long as you're like making that effort to be, just not to be a total <laughs> asshole. You know, that's kind of like that's the that's the ethical life. And I think that again, I think those psychedelics can give you a glimpse in the right direction for all that stuff. But then it's up to it falls to us to do the, the, the to do the, yeah, the heavy to do the lifting, work. you know, to mm-hmm. do the work precisely. Um, so I, so you went to South America, was South America like kind of the first very far place that you went to after, after you moved from Ireland when you were talking about the uh, No. Yeah. No, first I went to uh, Southeast Asia. Right. for a while and then so that was like thailand and thailand is so beautiful that's just i mean just in a geographic sense and also the people that's just one of the most yeah, that's beautiful my places number one on place that, that i want to visit oh it's so gorgeous and even the when you hear the people speak there the, the the language is is um what's the word it's uh it's oh there's a word for which escapes me but it's one of those languages that have a kind of tonality mm. so you know you you could say one word but if you say it at a different, um, almost in a different note, at a different pitch, it means something different. So the, so the language is musical. So when they speak, it sounds wow. musical. Uh, yeah, and it's just it's a very, very gentle kind of language as well. But uh, so, yeah, and Cambodia. And then I went to India for a while. And then I went to, um, then I went to South America. Mm. Yeah. And um... yeah. You see, I'd kind of, I'd, yeah, I'd kind of been like saving up for a few years when I was in college. I, I, I worked all through through college and, you know, I stayed living at home when I was a student. So I saved all mm. this money and just kind of did that for a while. And then when the money ran out, I just worked and worked in bars and stuff. So it was it was a good way to, um, I think w- when you want to become a, a writer, the big problem for most people is that you know, real life just gets in the way, you know, you need to pay the bills and you need to do all that. So going, um, kind of blasting off out of the kind of capitalist world of careers and works and and work and so on and traveling around the world was a good way to escape all that and allow me to kind of try and focus on what I really wanted. And that was to try to, uh, learn to, to write books. Beautiful and very brave, uh, because a lot of people, and by a lot of people, I mean like people like me, <laughs> do not have the balls to do that. Um, when really, when it comes down well, to it, it's just all about yeah. like just saying you're going to do it and then actually doing and following through, you know? 
Yeah, there's also an element of desperation in it too. Let's let's not forget. I think it's it, it, it it's a bit of bravery and then a bit of like Christ. I need to do this or I'm gonna fucking go 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 nuts. You know, I'm gonna they're they're gonna throw me in the in the madhouse so I don't do this. So that that's part of it. Mm, so, um, when you were in South America, and we touched on this briefly at the beginning of the podcast, but um, yeah. You were staying in a sort of village, right? With or or with a woman. Uh, was this the ayahuasca yes. you're talking about? The, oh yeah. So well, that's a actually that's an interesting story. So uh, I first took ayahuasca in Peru, um, in a in a in a in a place in Peru called the the the, the sacred valley of the Incas, which is pretty. Uh, exotic sounding but that was you know a once off yeah and then i was hanging out with this english guy he's still a, still a friend i just met him while we were traveling there called paddy and we went up he was saying hey look i'm going up to colombia i'm gonna get a job teaching english you know i'm like hey let's travel together so we went up there and we both found jobs as english teachers so we were living in bogota which is the capital and uh He's this very kind of charming, you know, social, sociable guy. And so he came back one day and said, oh, yeah, you know, we were sharing a, a flat, sharing a house. And he said, I've met all these people. They're really interesting, cool types. They're kind of like artists and, you know, wow. academics. And they, they they take that ayahuasca stuff that you've been talking about and they take it nearly every weekend at this kind of house out in the hills just outside the city. And a shaman, like a shaman from the, the south mm-hmm. of the country, which is the Amazon region, he kind of comes up and he oversees these ceremonies. And they're, they take it all very seriously over there. It's very much um, part of their, what, their kind of ancestral, yeah. uh, you know, r- religious kind of um, customs. And so I went out and one of the people doing it was this uh, woman called uh, Consuelo. And she was fabulous. She was this older woman. I guess she was probably in her maybe late 40s or something. And she was, or she had been a a philosophy professor in the University of Bogota. And uh, she, I remember she had this beautiful daughter who was like, and she was just like a teenager, but she looked like something from Lord (laughs) of the Rings, you know, this kind of like elfin creature. And it was, she, just the whole family had this kind of magical air about them. And um, myself and Consuelo just became good friends because she realized that I was very serious about this ayahuasca stuff and that I had read these books about it since having my first experience and that I was, uh, you know, that that I wasn't just some kind of like, you know, bro. Right, right, right. Like, you know, yeah, just kind of like disrespectfully mm-hmm. kind of just like trampling all over the, the culture and, and not with no real care for it or something so she started inviting me out to more and more of these um ceremonies mm. and then she at one point she said look she has this kind of sort of like um deserted shack with no electricity or anything out in the in deep in the kind of countryside uh, outside a, a few hours outside bogota and uh, every now and then she would have a gathering out there where she would, all of these people who take it every weekend and other people would go out there, travel out there 
and um you know set up candles all over the place and you know bring enough food and make kind of um kind of barbecues and stuff like that and really kind of go out there for three or wow. four days and each night have these and you know swim in these little kind of lake little ponds and stuff in the daytime but then in the night times have these um have these ayahuasca ceremonies uh, and the, the the same shaman guy came up so we went out there and uh spent about four days um having these wildly wildly visionary collective experiences and at the height of the most kind of overwhelmingly powerful one a a, 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 a huge storm you know a tropical mm. storm kind of broke over over it so there was thunder and lightning oh and uh it really felt like the gods yeah being, wow know, it, was the, it was the most yeah that was probably the most um probably awesome in in every sense of the word psychedelic um experience i've ever had it was a it was a humble it was you know when you feel yeah. a bit humbled by the psychedelic it's like the gods have kind of said <laughs> we're speaking there so you, you be quiet you know you you listen when you're being spoke to you listen it's a bit Ooh, like that that's um, so good yeah yeah i vaguely you know we kept in touch uh for a while after by emails uh but not really weren't on social media or anything so i have no idea really what she's doing now mm -hmm. i should uh i should look her up yeah. on these days. she was great she was so interesting she was because the thing about her was uh she was so knowledgeable and respectful and uh engaged with the amazonian shamanic psychedelic mm -hmm. culture but she was also extremely well read well versed in western philosophy and so she could kind of integrate and combine these two worldviews oh, wow. and these two yeah these kind of bodies of knowledge and kind of create all of these links that's, between them that's so, incredible yeah. and specifically for you because yeah. philosophy is like your shit <laughs> you know so it's like this yeah, is this was yeah. the perfect the universe led you to the perfect yeah. uh sort of shaman figure uh for you to have this exactly. experience that's beautiful yeah and i think that was why she kind of warmed to me as well when she realized oh wait this guy's like a younger you know irish ver male version yeah. of me i was like yeah this lady she's like <laughs> yeah, amazing so uh this kind of yeah. perfectly leads me into one of the next questions i wanted to ask you which is mm. um i was wondering if you could tell us sort of about some of your philosophies that you've kind of that you live by now whether whether they're sort of self-made um from your life experience mm. um or like just philosophies from you know that you've learned from other philosophers like uh i know in the book you talk a lot about i don't want to butcher his name is it meets Nietzsche, Nietzsche, yeah. Although even I'm probably butchering it in my own way, yeah. But yeah, he, yeah. Well, that's a good. He's a good starting point, actually, because the great um, German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche was a big discovery for me when I was uh, first really getting into, you know, mm -hmm. reading challenging books and subversive books, and you know, I was very kind of punk when I was like a teenager and when I was twenty and so on. So the more 
kind of radical and extreme and disturbing and uh, subversive something was, the more I was attracted to it. And so I read uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, who wrote all of, you know, I came from this like Irish Catholic background, as I mentioned, and you read this guy and he's kind of, his whole mission in life was to turn everything that we believe in, in Western civilization on Mm. its head. Some of his ideas are pretty scary. Some of them are very Mm -hmm. dangerous and he totally got appropriated by the Nazis and the fascists and all of that, even though he would have turned his, that would have turned his stomach, Mm -hmm. you know, but so he's, 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 he is scary. He is dangerous material, but he's so inspiring too. And as a writer and as a kind of existentialist philosopher about, um, um, about art and about the kind of the grandeur of existence and so on. He's always been a big inspiration for me. I still love him as a writer, but I see, as I get older, I see more and more the limitations and the pathologies of this kind of quite um, quite vulnerable man mm-hmm. that he was, this quite kind of w- w- wounded man that he was. Uh, but he's so, so his philosophy doesn't have quite the same persuasive um, effect for me that it yeah. used to. Uh, so I guess the, the only honest answer really to your question about my philosophies is it's a bit of a hodgepodge, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a magpie, you know, I'll, I'll pick a little bit yeah. from here. Like, like I said, when I was, um, when I first learned to meditate and because it was a Buddhist uh, group that taught me to meditate, I, and it was so immediately transformative for me, that was, um, that absolutely set off uh, a very uh, keen engagement, which, which I talk about in Threshold, I guess it lasted a couple of years with Buddhism not just meditation but buddhism as a philosophy and as an an ethos and an ethics and a morality and uh, a a practice i never i i I thought i might but i never quite became uh uh, you know a buddhist in any kind of way i think i'm 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 too um yeah i've never i've never managed to kind of fully sign up a lot of commitment you know i don't think yeah exactly (laughs) So I'm more like a, a fellow traveler, yeah. you know, it's like I see those people. And even now, I think I have such like respect and gratitude for that kind of body of mm-hmm. wisdom and that, that that philosophy and just the art and the culture, the civilization that it produced was so yeah. elegant, you know, um, like I think a lot of contemporary psychedelic culture has so much of its roots in uh, Hindu definitely, and Buddhist art and yeah like they're they're the psychedelic um they're the psychedelic philosophies you know when you look at like i don't know if you've seen pictures of um bodhisattvas or like avalokitesvara all or like even the hindu gods and you know because buddhism essentially was an outgrowth of Mm -hmm. hinduism originally but when you look at all of their visions of the celestial realms so psychedelic uh, so (laughs) psychedelic and so you know, you know, one one of the things I love about psychedelics, you know, the likes of mushrooms and LSD is they have an elegance mm-hmm. to them. You know, when I take them, everything seems so elegant. Nature, you know, it, it's it's elegance is the word that keeps coming back, the yeah. beauty of it. And when I see those paint, paint <clears throat> sorry, when I see paintings of Buddhist cultures and the Buddha and uh, Buddhist deities, Hindu deities, they have that same serene 
elegance that you that you perceive Ooh, I in, love in, that in a I love how you're yeah. you're just a master of articulation yes yeah. yes yes to everything you were saying oh my god it's crazy the last time I took yeah. mushrooms actually like everything you're describing was exactly like I had this this sort of like vision in my head but it felt more like a vision uh it felt like like I was the embodiment of like like there was like this figure, this very, very peaceful figure just in the meditative pose, like, you know, hands to heart, mm. um, cross-legged. But at the same time, there was this like, ah, like, you know, like this sort of this really, really intense, not angry feeling, just intense is the only word that I could really think of. Um, yeah. I actually want to try and paint it of like, just like um, yeah. Yeah. someone like, like, the same person meditating but also is like the same you know how um the the hindu deities kind of will have this really fiery fiery yeah. uh fucking intense intense yeah. i don't even i don't even know yeah this energy this extremely condensed yes. energy where they kind of look like okay they might be serene and they might be benign but don't yeah. fuck with them <laughs> they they, yeah, they're, fuck they're, 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 yeah, they're charged. They're charged with something. Yeah, mm. yeah. I know. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So yeah, I, and I, again, I think a lot of like psychedelic art and psychedelic um, aesthetics these days. Not not just all that like sixty stuff, but the contemporary stuff and contemporary expressions of it have so much in yeah. common and have so many um, roots in that culture. So 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 I have um, I I have great. Um, respect for 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 those cultures and those philosophies but here's the thing you know i think i do think it's kind of uh it's a getting older thing as well right so and i come from this um christian like catholic background and now i'm not like a practicing religious person in any sense you know i don't like uh whereas my family like my parents would they are you know they would they would go to mass they go to church all that kind of stuff um but i totally rejected all that you know when i was younger i was kind of just getting into like punk rejection you know nihilistic like reading nietzsche and listen to all this music and stuff and kind of just rejected all that but even now i look back and think yeah you know there were certain kind of moral teachings in that mm-hmm. tradition uh, which which I now see as in this kind of dystopian capitalist techno industrial mm-hmm. post industrial kind of world that we're building I can you know where everything seems so brutal and so cruel and so kind of uh, wolf wolf eat wolf you know dog mm-hmm. eat dog I kind of feel oh maybe I was a bit too harsh and a bit too um, severe in my dismissal of that whole mm-hmm. world so yeah again. You know, I kind of think um, it's maybe an obvious thing to say, but I do think that if you look into the wisdom traditions and even the religions of uh, of the world, the ones that have thrived in different Mm -hmm. parts of the world, there there does seem to be a common moral uh, framework that more or less uh, underpins all of them. Yes, yes, they're all pointing to the same thing. Yeah, yeah, they are. You know, it's just like don't be a dick seems to be a big part of the of the the, the moral the moral uh, 
underpinnings of all of these things right. you know i was talking to a friend about this recently and it's like god it's funny how you get you know as you get older and you go through all these crazy explorations and you know investigations and look into all of this stuff and then the the the, the messages the final kind of truths you come out with are the kind of basic ones that you should have known ah! all along, which is like, <laughs> you know it's like try not to try not to be a dick and that's that's a good right, starting right, right. point that's that's kind of it's kind of my philosophy these days. I don't always <laughs> succeed at it, but uh, it's kind of, that's my, my profound wisdom. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. It actually makes me think yeah. of this. Um, well, it makes me think of a lot, but what's coming to mind right now is this podcast that I listened to where um, the the host interviewed like a really good amount of people who had had near death experiences and they all said the same thing. They mm-hmm. all said that at the end, it's sort of the, your life flashes before your eyes thing that everybody hears. But um, mm-hmm. when your life is flashing before your eyes, you're experiencing everything that you've ever made anybody feel. And like from, from their perspective, mm-hmm. which is nuts. Wow. I'm like, Wow, that's that's right. Yeah. I'm like, oh that's, shit, that's crazy. Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I've got some work to do. Wow, yeah, it's it's kind of beautiful, and uh, whether it's literally true or just kind of figuratively mm-hmm. true, even or if that's even the same thing, it's kind of um, it's a beautiful summation of the fact that there is a kind of moral framework in the universe and in the world, mm-hmm. and. Uh, all of these things, like all of the really nasty shit that you do to people, it is gonna come back, and you are gonna, mm-hmm. you, you know, I like, I do think people who are really tortured in later life are probably ones who've done more harm than yeah. good, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can, I, yeah, I can imagine it. Like about a year ago, I I read the Tibetan Book of the Dead, you know, and it's so kind of spooky and eerie, and they, they have such a profound um, rendition of what happens when you die there, but it really is like those near-death experience people described. It really does seem to be that you will be tortured and tormented by all of the cruelty that you inflicted, and it will all come back in a kind of demonic wow. form, you know. And all of the times you gave in to your base impulses and your and your nasty impulses and so on, that will kind of come back, and you will you kind of go through that again, Shit. and it will it will be terrifying and it will rock you, and you might if there was too much of it, you might you know it might go on for a long time, but but all of the other stuff gets weighed gets gets factored into the equation, right, 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 well, like all the good know, stuff, so, right? Yeah, yeah, all the times where you where you where you did. Um, try, try, you know, where you did do the decent thing, or you did reach out to somebody, or you did help somebody, mm. or something. So that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, you know, who who am I to argue with these ancient exactly. millennial, you know, <laughs> millennia old uh, wisdom traditions? <laughs> yeah. oh, I love that. Well, yeah. this has been an absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, chat that I've had with you. Thank you so much for doing this. Seriously. Oh no, my absolute pleasure. That was one of the more charming and lovely uh, ch- chats about my my book I've had. So so thank Absolutely you. Absolutely incredible. Seriously, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. I can't believe that I just did an interview with not only 
a famous author, but a famous, what is it? What is, what is the title for a movie? <laughs> uh, uh, creator basically. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, like I say, I hope the cinema is open sometime with all this COVID shit and, you know, we can all go and see the movie when it comes Absolutely. Up. Um, so to everybody listening, get on Amazon right now and order Threshold. Wherever the fuck you are, whatever you're doing, it is an absolute must read. Best book. I can't even call it a book because that's doing it a disservice. It is honestly light and magic disguised in the form of paper and letters. It is absolutely blissful. Go out and read that. And I can't oh. wait, wait to read, um, he, what is it? The rituals? Here, here, here are the young men and this is the here ritual. Here are the are young the men books, yeah. and this is the rituals. I absolutely cannot yeah. wait. Rob Doyle, um, oh, could you tell the listeners great. where they can find you if they if they so please? Yeah, sure. Uh, I guess I'm, my website is robdoyle.net, uh, although I haven't really done much with it in a while. On Instagram, I'm at Skull Hotel. That's at Skull Hotel, all one one word or whatever. Um, I have a Twitter account, which I only really reactivate when I'm promoting books. That's at Rob Doyle one. So yeah, I'm on all of those things. I guess Instagram is the one that I use actively. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thanks for listening and until next time. <laughs>